This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Rocks Pile Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling. Welcome into the Rocks Pile Rockies Report. I am Noah Yingling, one of the co-experts of Rocks Pile, and as always, I am joined by my friend and fellow co-expert Kevin Henry. Kevin, how are you? Noah, I'm doing well. It is a beautiful sunny day here in northern Colorado. Uh, we finally got those clouds out of the way. So, uh, unfortunately, the Rockies are not in town, uh, but uh, alas, it is a nice day here. And at least they're going to Arizona where there's no rain because there's already four games postponed today, today being Friday. Yep. In my neck of the woods, Cleveland, well, further east, Baltimore, and Cincinnati is going to be rained out as well if they haven't already announced it. So, yeah, there's there's at least going to be a third of the games on Friday rained out. And we are at the point of the season where the roof at Chase Field will be closed. High today of 100 in Phoenix, 101 tomorrow, 94 on Sunday. So count 94. On. Wow. They better break out the, the park. I'm telling you. Jeez. Be, I know. I tell you what. Now, let's see what's going to be in San Francisco where those Rockies go right after that. a lot colder. That. Uh, be, there's, there's my prediction. A lot colder. Well, speaking uh, of which, while you're looking that up, yeah. Jack Corrigan and Jerry Schemmel were talking on yesterday's broadcast about packing for the trip. And they said, yeah, not often you get to pack clothes for hundred degree weather and have to pack long johns for San Francisco. It's truth. Uh, <laughs> the for the same week road trip. <laughs> the warmest it's going to be while the Rockies are in town is 61 and mid 40s for the low. So the thermometer is not going to move a whole lot, but uh, definitely going to be something uh, where I'm packing uh, some warmth as well, for sure. Yeah. Pack those long johns. Yep. I'll be ready because as I was telling uh, Danielle Allen Tuck of the Denver Gazette, they will not close the windows or anything else at uh, Oracle, AT&T, Pac-Bell. Those will be open. We'll be ready. Oh, all (laughs) that. Whatever it is this week. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, you know, Thomas Harding of MLB.com too, because he says his, his quote unquote, uh, freezing temperature is 72 degrees. Yeah. Um, So he, he might, have, he might have three pairs of long johns on there, which which might not be a bad thing if we're sitting there, uh, you know, because where the press box is in San Francisco is very low compared to the other press boxes around MLB. Yeah. Uh, so it's something that literally people can walk by and grab your game notes if they want to. It's very uh, it's an interesting placement. And then two weeks later, the Rockies are going to be in Pittsburgh, where. Pittsburgh is like a 700 feet elevation area, if I remember correctly. There you go. And the press box might be mile high. Yeah. But at least you get the nice view of the city. Yeah. And and you can probably see Ohio from there. Or forget which direction it faces, but you might be able to see New York the other way. Or Maryland. So, yeah, you you can probably (laughs) see about a good 300 miles. (laughs) Well, let's let's back up the calendar a little bit and let's talk about this six-game road trip that I personally think is going to be a very interesting one for the Rockies. I think you get back into NL West competition. I think that so far, at least, the Diamondbacks have proven that they're not as bad a team as people thought they were going to be. 
Now, is that smoke and mirrors or is that reality? I think that we're getting ready to find that out with the Road Rockies uh, starting tonight. Uh, again, we're recording this Friday afternoon and starting tonight at beautiful Chase Field. And part of it with them is they've just pitched really well. Yeah. Mad- Madison Bumgarner, outside of the incident the other day, he has been incredible in his starts, honestly. Yeah. And now uh, the thing I wonder with him and a few of the others is when do they start to fall back to earth? Like Merrill Kelly, he's two and one with a 127 ERA in five starts, but he's got a 211 FIP. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, he's had a little bit of good luck, but it's so far he's pitched pretty well. Bumgarner has a 150 ERA in six starts. Of course, really five starts in an inning because he got ejected. But that FIP is 485. Mm. So, in other words, he's going to fall back down to earth sometime here soon. But um, the bullpen, Mark Melanson, is on the injured list right now. And they've got a few other guys on the injured list as well. But they're pitching really well. They've got a 356 ERA entering Friday and a 115 ERA plus. On the other hand, for the Rockies, they're not pitching as well, but they have a better overall record. And it's because their offense has been a lot better. The Diamondbacks offense has been atrocious. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you're comparing apples to apples, there is no comparison between what the Rockies have put out the plate so far this year. And you can say Coors all you want, you know, but, but this is a team home or away is better than what the Diamondbacks put together overall for sure. Yeah, They have two hitters, two with an OPS plus above 95 that have played in at least 10 games. Yeah. They have an 83 OPS plus as a team. And that's up. That's up. Yeah. They're hitting 191 as a team. I, I, I was just going to say that they've actually improved. I mean, really, if you look at what they've done in recent games, they've gone up. Yeah. You know, but I want to go back to that Arizona pitching because one thing I wrote about preseason for call to the pen was about what difference that Brent Strom might make as the new pitching coach in Arizona. You know, coming over from the Houston Astros was very much labeled as kind of this pitch whisperer kind of guy. Made a real surprising move to all of a sudden show up in Arizona as their pitching coach. Especially when he said that he was going to retire. Exactly. And and I know there's a lot more to that story that none of us really know or will know. But I also think that his impact there in Arizona so far can't be denied. Yeah. And that's the thing where, and we've talked about this before, sometimes the advanced stats, like we just mentioned FIP. Yeah. Okay. That's great to see. Okay. They're they're probably going to fall back down to earth when you look at that because 356 ERA, 406 FIP. But there's some instances like last year with the Seattle Mariners, they won 90 games, yet they had a negative run differential. Yep. So, I mean, you can say, okay, th- this is w- the way it should be. But when you score 51 fewer runs than you scored, you should be a team that's 10 games under 500. But they were 18 above. So, yeah. some, as Harry Ralston Black would say, that's baseball. Sometimes stuff happens like that. But in theory, especially with a small sample size, the Diamondbacks FIP is 406. The Rockies FIP is 405, if I'm not mistaken. So it's pretty much, uh, actually, it's 403. So it's nearly ident- identical. But 
the Rockies ERA is a full run higher than the Diamondbacks. And, and I'm going to say that, and you mentioned small sample size a minute ago, my personal opinion and, you know, is that really you don't read too much into anything until around Memorial Day. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, roughly you're at almost the, the third mark of the season at that point. I know we started a little later this year, but I, I still think that it's a, it's very early and I think some things could be different, but uh, I'm definitely thinking that some of this stuff is going to balance out. I yeah. mean, I, I just don't see how it can't both for the Diamondbacks and the Rockies and Colorado's next opponent, San Francisco Giants as well. And to your point on having a little bit larger sample size, look at Brendan Rogers. Yeah. In the month of April, he hit 078 with a 270 OPS. Now, granted, it's only four games in May, but he has a 375 average and a 1063 OPS. So, I mean, we all knew that he wouldn't be hitting 078 at the end of the year, just like Elias Diaz last year. Yep. Entering the month of June, you're like, okay, he's hitting 120. He's not going to be that bad. I don't think anybody expected him, well, at least anybody outside of the Rockies expected him to be as good as he was the last few months of the year, but he wasn't going to be that bad. And that's the thing with small sample sizes. Absolutely. And, and, you know, let's look at what Eric Hosmer is doing right now with the Padres. Is that sustainable? Absolutely not. You know, Stephen Kwan, how he started the year in Cleveland. Absolutely not. You know, we, we love to do, oh, they're on pace right now to hit 385 home runs, you know? And, and I think that obviously that's a joke, uh, you know, whenever people say that, but I also think that a lot of people get wrapped up in things this time of year when I think that there's still a little bit of time coming, especially with what the Rockies have faced so far this year, as far as the schedule goes. So I think we're definitely getting ready to see some re some break back to the mean whenever they get back into the national league West competition. Yeah. And that's the thing where, okay, uh, maybe a guy even will hit 350 this year. Doubtful, very doubtful. But is Stephen Kwan going to hit 500 on the year? No. Sure. Are the uh, name any team? Are they going to win 140 games this year? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. You know and that's and, the and, thing with 162 games. You yeah. it 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 really indicates of how well you're playing. I mean, even with the NFL. Okay. You have 16 games. You could say, Oh, we had our quarterback out for three games due to an injury. So that impacted our schedule. Yeah. yeah that's 16 games. So he's out 20% of the season. Okay. But with baseball, that's one of the things that makes it so great is it's 162 games. You really don't have any excuses at the end of the year. You know, and, and one thing that I know you and I are both watching today is the day that Chris Bryant is supposed to, and I'm using air quotes when I say this, supposed to come off the injured list. I, if I were a betting man, I would say that's not going to happen today. No. Yeah. So I, I think that whenever you talk about injuries, you know, and Chris Bryant said it the other day, whenever he met with us, uh, you know, in the Coorsfield dugout, you know, he said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically it was that he was glad this injury happened earlier in the season yeah, rather yeah. than later on. And for the Rockies, it's been a really good time, if there is such thing, to have an injury to Chris Bryant like that happen because not only has the team done well in his absence, but it, you know, let's be honest, it also was the softer part of the schedule, too. 
Yeah. And that's the thing where Bryant told me in Detroit and that's sometimes the quotes are taken out of context where if you like, if you were at the very beginning of his quote and we did an article on it where he said, I'm kind of glad I was traded. And if you just read that, they're like, Oh, he wanted to leave Chicago. He hates Chicago. That was, of course. No, of course. it was, I'm glad that I was traded so that I could experience transitioning to a new team and therefore it's made it a little bit easier for me so far to start this year. Now he's had to deal with altitude and he flat out said, yeah, coming back to sea level or relative sea level, you feel it's a little bit of a refreshing thing, but in Colorado, it's, he's like, it's a lot different than just coming in for three games and then leaving. Yeah. You feel this or that more. And and one thing that has it was talked about a little bit, but I thought it was very interesting. He was very open and honest. And and that's one thing. And I like you said, you talked to him in Detroit. I found with Chris Bryant so far is that he's he's pretty open and honest with stuff. You know, he's not yep. gonna give you just a sound bite. And he point blank said, I'm not sleeping well right now in Denver. I, yep. I've yet to figure out how to sleep in at altitude. Yeah. And for those of us who have lived here for a while, that's kind of a, a head scratcher. But then you think back to if you moved here instead of a native here, how the transition was. And, and yeah, there was a time whenever you, it took a little while to get used to, for sure. And not to mention it's okay. You're moving here, but you also have the pressure of, Hey, I'm the hundred in the guy. nearly $200 million guy. And I signed played in Arizona was had to move from Chicago to San Francisco, play games in Arizona for spring training, and then moved to Colorado all in a six month period while dealing with a lockout and then having to adjust to altitude. And he said that in Detroit too, to me, he said, especially at the beginning of the year, you have a lot of day games. So you're having the day games as well, which you aren't getting as much sleep there especially if you have a day game after a night game yeah so that's having to adjust with that in detroit they had the double header so there's there's things that as a fan you might not think about of oh okay whatever this guy's just complaining he's making 20 some odd million dollars a year oh, yeah. you need to shut up and play but they are humans where they do have other things of oh i just got to a new city and uh, okay i do know a few people but I'm having to get to know people and I have a wife and I have kids and I'm trying yeah. to move to a new home for the next seven years. And, or for some guys like Chad, cool, I might only be here a year. So I have to find an apartment that's decent, but I'm not going to buy a home because I might not be here next year. And right. it's the off the field element that a lot of people don't think about. Absolutely. But I think the Rockies have shown they can certainly dance around Chris Bryant's injury. They they've been good enough to do that so far. I would not be surprised if Bryant joins them at some point on this road trip. It may yeah. be in San Francisco, uh, but I also think that he and the Rockies neither one are going to rush this back. No. Um, so you know this is a long season. There's a lot still to come, and after the break, we're going to talk about what is still to come for the Rockies, and we'll do that right after this break. Here on the Rocks Pile, Rockies Report. 
And welcome back here on the Rocks Power Rockies Report. Kevin Henry and Noah Yingling, your co-experts for rockspile.com. Noah, before the break, we were talking a little bit about Arizona, San Francisco, obviously parts of the NL West. And yes, the Rockies are being reintroduced to the NL West starting this weekend. And it starts a little bit tougher stretch, shall we say, in the schedule. Granted, the Royals are coming into town uh, over the weekend, but you look on that schedule lurking, Mets, Giants, and all of a sudden those Dodgers and Padres series start showing up as well. Yeah, and especially for the Giants series in San Francisco, how will the Rockies play? And particularly, how will Austin Gomber pitch? Yes. He will likely go on Monday for the Rockies. And if you remember last year, his first start there was decent. He ended up getting the loss, but he went six and a third, only allowed one hit, but he walked four. That was his problem, but he only allowed two runs. Yep. The Rockies lost three to one, though. So the shocker, they couldn't hit on the road. And as we all know, at the beginning of the year, they were atrocious on the road hitting. But later that month, April 26th, the Rockies lost 12 to nothing because he went one and two thirds and he allowed nine runs, walked four, punched out three, and allowed seven hits. Later in the year in August, he went back there. Four innings, seven hits, five runs, three walks, two strikeouts. So there's he had a total of nine losses last year. He went nine and nine. He was 0-3 in San Francisco. ERA of 12. Yep. That's a problem. It is a problem. And and I know Bud, Austin, everybody else will say, oh, it's a different year, blah, blah, blah. We'll find out Monday night. You yeah. know, and again, again, I will be there in San Francisco covering the series uh, when the Rockies come into town to play the Giants. I am very curious to see, you know, if that's the series that Chris Bryant comes back, which it could well be. One of the things that Chris Bryant talked about, as well as Ron Gideon, who works with the outfielders for the Rockies, they have talked considerably about how the outfield in San Francisco actually carries a lot of challenges in and of itself, especially on the right field side. And they both said, actually, it, you know, while Coors Field gets a reputation, shall we say, for having the big outfield and being tough to play and everything else, they both said that the right field in San Francisco is actually the hardest outfield in all of baseball. Now with that, that makes me think, and th- this is, this is one of the things where depends on which metric you're looking at. The advanced, some of the advanced metrics are differentiating. And then there's the eye test, which I, I'm a little bit old school and I tend to go more towards the eye test. It, as long as you're watching the games, which we can't watch all 2,430 games in a major league season, which is why we have the metrics. Should Charlie Blackman be in right field in that series? So you read my mind because that's where I was actually going to go after I said that. And we did not talk about that before we went on the podcast. So again, like mine's here. Um, <laughs> I, we're I'm, bad people. That's why. Well, obviously I'm going to make a bet that Randall Gritchick is in right field in two of the three games in San Francisco. Would you say that Connor Joe is in right field for the third game? No, I, I think Charlie's going to be in right field because I don't think Bud or Charlie will allow himself to be a DH. Cause let's be honest. If Chuck's not in right field, he's not playing anywhere except DH. Yeah. 
So I, and I don't see the, the Charlie Blackman pride, which there still is plenty of that. Trust me. And I also don't see Bud starting something with Charlie on that. So I think at least one of the games, Charlie will be in right, but I would bet the other two, he is not. And if, for example, if you look at defensive runs saved, he is at zero, which is league average. Mm-hmm. For me, he's not this year. He's not been league average in right field. No, no, he's the throws have not been what they were last year. There's a lot of things that you look at, you go, it, it's different for sure. And and obviously there was the misplay uh, yesterday, the series finale against the Nationals. So it was a went for an error. You know, I if I were a betting man, and Noah, see what you think about this. I think Charlie will be in right field in all three games in Arizona. I think he'll have a day off in San Francisco, likely the day game. And I think he'll DH one of the games in San Francisco. It's that would not surprise me at all. Yeah, it's an easy way to make sure that Charlie is still playing and, and the pride is still there. But at the same time, you make sure that a Connor Joe or Randall Gritchick is handling right field. The other thing that would not surprise me, though, is if they DH Bryant for two of those games in San Francisco. That's possible, too. Assuming, let's say he comes back first game of the series. He DHs the first two games and then maybe give him a day off on the day game there but um or maybe yeah, that's the thing with you could have charlie dh maybe the day game and yeah that's yeah the thing with There's coming a- off the injured list and that's the rockies problem in general right now is they with injuries and defensively they have a few guys that really should be well, more of a dh okay well let's let's talk let's take a spin off that if chris bryant's coming back guess what that means a roster move correct so who's your roster move Who's your roster move if Chris Bryant comes back? I've got an idea, and I say it's a pitcher. That's what I was thinking. But yeah. honestly, the pitcher that I'm thinking of is the – if you're going strictly on merit, I think uh, the way he's pitched so uh, pitched recently, it would probably be Ty Block. Because Block has struggled here in the last few games. But, but. he's a lefty, and he's a long reliever. And he's the only one of both. Yeah, I mean, it may well, Goodell Goodell is a long run. Yeah, but, yeah, but I mean, of the other guys, who do you send down? I, I would bet Justin Lawrence if I were a betting man. Yeah, I, I would, would say either Lawrence, Lawrence or Goodell. Yeah, yeah, and, those and, are the only two guys without with options besides Block, which Block does have two minor league options, and you aren't sending down Tyler Kinley. No, oh God, no. He's been he's been a tremendous reliever for them this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that back end, and, and let's talk about the back end of the bullpen here for just a minute, because you're right. Kinley's been fantastic. You know, uh, Estevez has been solid. Really, Colome has been iffy to start. Uh, we're going to have an article on him coming up uh, on Rock's Pile. Had a good conversation with him the other day. But Daniel Bard, um, you know, he's gotten a lot of love lately for his new entrance and the song and the light show and everything else at Coors Field. But Daniel Bard's been very solid, actually, coming out of the bullpen. And and our friend uh, Aaron Hurt wrote about that uh, on Rock's Pile this week. But I I really do think that his resurgence has been a a story that's kind of gone under the radar a little bit with Rocks. And I think part of it is... As we know, the Rockies, the first week, week and a half of the year, 
they had the best bullpen in baseball, at least by yep. ERA. Yep. Now they have the second worst. The worst is, of course, the Cincinnati Redlegs because they're the worst in everything. They're just an, they're talk bad. about an atrocious team. Good they God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just they, they off, are. Off and, and, and let's not remember three of those Rockies wins this year, as they should have been, came against the Reds. But anyway. Yeah. Well, and as as Jan Zimborski on uh, of Fangraphs noted on Twitter, if you're taking the best 26 players on the Reds roster, is David Bell not one of the best 26 players? And he's their manager, and he hasn't well, played in the majors in 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good span. I thought about that. That's very interesting. And I mean, you you also his bench coach is Rocky's legend, and I mean legend. Freddie Benavides. Well, absolutely. Who, by the way, our friend Patrick Lyons caught up with uh, from DNVR. So talked Rockies with Freddie being, and I'm just like things I would never have expected to see that. But anyway, uh, but you're right. The, the bullpen started out so hot, went through a little bit of trouble, went through a little bit of a stretch, but Bard has been very solid so far this year. And, you know, Bud Black talked yesterday about the changes that Bard made and how they talked together about what those changes should be heading into the 2022 season. And so far, so good on those adjustments, honestly. Yeah. You know, you had what 10 innings so far? He has not walked batter. No. You know, you think back to 2020, whenever he won the NL Comeback Player of the Year Award, well deserved, obviously, in the pandemic shortened season, but still, he was this story this weird coincidence that all of a sudden he's back after all these years and beat the yips and and again a tremendous story but nobody really knew what to do with him during that shortened season 2021 people figured him out yeah you know it was a combination of he wasn't new anymore and he wasn't hitting his spots but 2022 he's done exceptionally well hitting those spots where he needs to and like you said the control has been a key factor in that yeah and, and now, granted, he has had one wild pitch and he has hit a batter, but yep. 10 innings, 180 ERA, eight saves, six hits allowed, two runs, 13 strikeouts, FIP of 210. Now, last year, as you mentioned, he wasn't hitting his spots and he the, the hitters figured him out. Yep. He had a 521 ERA, but again, you look at that FIP, it was nearly a full run lower at 428. Not great by any stretch, but shows that, hey, okay, maybe he had a little bit of bad luck. Yeah. And this year, if you look at that FIP, it's 210. So 180 ERA, okay, he's having a little bit of good luck, but a 210 FIP is very, very good for your close. Absolutely. You know, and and uh, I love that Aaron pointed out in his article that uh, he does have one blown save this year but the rocks actually picked him up in Texas with the win. Uh, yeah. You know, so, you know, and again, I think his resurgence has allowed bud in that back into the bullpen column. A can work in more slowly. You know, uh, he hasn't literally and figuratively, literally, seriously, <laughs> the joke of the press box was yesterday that buddy, you know, put uh column a in on a getaway day, you know, and, and he swore he was never going to do that. So yeah, apparently bud did not want to go to Arizona. No, he, well, they were in no rush. It's short fly. It's not like they were taking off for, you know, New York or Miami. So, <laughs> uh, but, but it, he, you know, he, as bud said yesterday, he got nicked, you know, and, and that's the problem. Column a has been getting nicked. 
Yeah. And so I, th- I still think that he will find his stride, but I just don't think it's right now. And luckily you've got Kinley pitching extremely well. You've got Bard pitching extremely well. You've got Estevez, who's a, another option out of that bullpen as well. You've got a lot of those late guys who are doing well and can allow Colome to struggle a little bit if needed. And Colome, let me see if you, what you think of this comparison so far on the season. And the one of the the other pitch I'm going to compare him to um, has had a little bit more success, at least in the ERA department. But otherwise, I think they're very similar. Okay. Antonio Senzatella. Hmm. They've okay. allowed a lot of hits, but uh, Colome has not given up a homer. Right. Senzatella has given up two, but uh, he's had more innings pitched. They haven't walked a ton. They neither one of them strike out many. They have the low fastball spin rate, high ground ball rate. But like I said, Senzatella, he it's part of it is pitching longer. I mean, he's yeah. pitched. Three and uh, yeah, three and a half times more innings. But if you look at Colome, and again, we, we're talking a lot about FIP in this podcast. It's yep. like a Fangraphs podcast. Um, <laughs> ERA five eighty seven. The FIP is three twenty three. You know what? It's funny you say that because I noticed that yesterday when I was starting to work on the article, and I was just like, "Wait, is that right?" And that that's a huge drop. It really <laughs> is. Yeah. And and I don't think that we're talking enough about, you know, you mentioned the ground ball pitching and what, you know, I I think the staff was put together knowing that they can get ground balls and that defense has turned the most double plays, correct me if I'm wrong, most double plays in MLB. I believe so. Yeah. And so at Coors Field to get ground balls and turn those double plays, the Rockies don't have to be strikeout pitchers as long as they can keep those grounders going. And as long as guys like Iglesias and Rymack and Brendan and, and Crone can turn those double plays. But the other thing too, is I don't think their defense is as good as it was last year. I no. test or numerically. I agree with that. And but- in fact, I, I would not have, I, if you look at the bottom guys and the top guys on defensive run saved, can you? There's a four-way tie for the top of two defensive runs saved. Can you guess any of them? Well, Brandon Rogers. How about that? He is one of them. He is one of them. Yep, for sure. Now, are you talking about on the team? Yes. Or are you talking about all in all of MLB? No, I'm talking on the team. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Uh, I'll go Gritchick. Nope. No. Okay. Who are the four then? Tell me. Crone, Gomber, Hilliard, and Rogers. I never would have got Gomber. I can tell you that. The bottom yeah. is Iglesias, Bryant, which I would have guessed that one. He's yep. he struggled a little bit out there. Yep. And Randall Gritchett. That's surprising Rymax not down there with the, the struggles he's had early on. And um, yeah, he's had some struggles and he he's already had five errors. Yeah. But he has one defensive run safe. Hmm. So that's the thing where Eye test tells me, okay, he has not played as well, McMahon, right. defensively. Right. But his range is really good. That's part of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's no question about that. And some of the more 
the I shouldn't say the fantastic plays, but some of the slightly more difficult than average plays he makes really well. Yeah. He's just had a lot of them this year with throwing errors. I mean, it's a can of corn to third, throw yeah. to first, and it's wild. Yeah, and there was one yesterday that I'll, I'll be honest. I really thought that um, if CJ Crown and and I think it was in the first inning, if Crone had just gotten off the bag, it it would have saved a lot of issues. Yeah, you know, I, I think that was a bad decision by Crone to not do that, and it cost McMahon an error, cost the Rockies a couple of runs. But I really think that it's one of those things that had they just uh, done, you know, done a little bit different. I think that Rymac has. Uh, and I don't want to say struggled under the weight of last year, but I also think that everybody is now expecting that every play last year. We weren't this year. We are. And so I don't know if that has made a difference with Rymac or not, but certainly the defensive eyes of Colorado and other places are upon him this year. Sure. And look at him at the plate too. Now, granted, if you look at the adjusted stats, Meaning for the deadened ball this year, it's yep. he's hitting way better. Yep. But look at just the raw stats. Nearly identical. Identical of the last two years. Interesting. On ba- and w- how many times have we said this offseason with Ryan McMahon? The two different stories of him last year. Beginning of the year, hitting for power. End of the year, yep. power plummeted but the on base went way up that is yep. exactly what has continued this year batting average in 2019 was 250 2021 it was 254 this year it is 250 on base 329 331 357 so on base is up but the power is down 450 449 429 ops 779 779 786 like i said it's if you look just at the average OPS, identical. Yeah. No, he's, you know, the thing is, and I know a lot of folks were saying this whenever the, the extension happened, you know, Rymac is who he is. You know, yes, we'd all love to see him take that next step, but that may not be this year. Yeah. You know, and it may, may not, not even happen. It may not come. Absolutely. You know, but are you willing to have Rymac as a part of that core team? knowing what he can bring you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the extension I think was well worth it. Absolutely. And as I said, with the dead and ball, yeah. 2019, we know that it was totally juiced. Yep. The OPS plus uh, 779 OPS, the OPS plus was 88. 2021, 779 OPS plus the OPS uh, or 779 OPS the OPS plus was 100 which that has actually been adjusted. I don't know if you've noticed that. That has been adjusted. Oh, that's interesting. 2022, 786, it's 119. Huh. So a seven-point jump total from 2019 to 2022, and 30. that increase is 31%. That's quite a jump right there. Yeah. That's <sighs> baseball. That's baseball, Exactly. <laughs> Well, there's going to be a lot that happens in this series. Uh, And I think the Arizona series is going to be very interesting. I think the San Francisco series is going to be very interesting. You know, and I'm going to say this is just a little bit of a prediction. 
I don't think these Rockies are last year's road Rockies in any way. I, I don't yep. think that. I think they may struggle in Arizona and San Francisco just because I think these are going to be, yes, I'm saying this about the Diamondbacks, two better teams than they've seen in Cincinnati and Washington over the past six games. I think this is a step up in competition for both, and it's a test for the Rockies. On the road, better competition, division rivals, what can you do? My prediction, I think they will go three and three. Take two of three in Arizona, lose two of three in San Francisco. Which are we okay with that? If you're a 500 team on the road and you're the Rockies, you're a playoff team. I think so too. I I think that that's one thing that you're exactly right on. If this team can play 500 on the road, look at what it was last year and how it can improve that way this year. Absolutely. It's a completely different game. Yeah. And I mean, if they were a 500 team on, look at their, now it's a bit of a high ask to, for them to be as good as they were at home last year. Cause they were 48 and 33. They were, there was some low dough magic. Definitely. So, but they were 15 games over 500. If you're 15 games over 500 and now granted, they only played 161 games, but if you're 15 games over 500, you're a what? 88, 89 win team. Is that the postseason? Yeah. Especially with expanded playoffs. That is a postseason team. Absolutely. Yep. Well, I know we're going to be watching. I know we will be in San Francisco providing some reports uh, from there. So make sure you check us out on rockspile.com. Noah and I also do uh, work on calltothepin.com. If you want to, you know, one thing I did, Noah, that was a lot of fun uh, was I went over to the Nationals Clubhouse uh, while they were in town, did a couple articles for Call of the Pen with the Nationals. And I will tell you who impressed me more than about anybody on this trip, both as a person and in the batter's box. And that was Josh Bell. I mean, just a solid dude and, and a big, big man. I'm just going to tell you, he's a big man. So, well, I know you said when you were in New York that uh, yeah. you were by Aaron, Aaron Judge. Judge and yeah. talk about a massive human. <laughs> I'm telling you. There are some massive humans playing this game. Just no doubt about that. But uh, we'll probably go over to the San Francisco clubhouse, kind of see what's going on over there. Uh, you know, our, our friend Jake McGee, if I remember right, still pitching those Giants. So you just can't ever tell. Yeah. By the way, with Josh Bell listed at 6'4", 261. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I made sure to say sir every time I talked to him because that's not a man I'd want angry at me. I'm just <laughs> uh, and by the way, too. You got uh, Tyler Rogers over there. Oh, that's right. How about Tyler Rogers? That's a good point. The Littleton native. The Littleton native. Another Colorado done good. So, no, any final thoughts before we wrap up, man? I don't believe I have any. Like I said, three and three, that's what I'm predicting. All right. Well, we will see what happens. Uh, We will talk to you from San Francisco. We'll probably do another podcast after I get back from the Bay. Uh, but until then, absolutely, please follow us at RocksPileFS on Twitter, on RocksPile.com, as well as CallThePin.com. For my friend and colleague, Noe Yingling, this is Kevin Henry. And as always, go Rockies.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 